0: Amen. Thanks, Jeff and Deb. Mike and Joe, hello. Appreciate the song also, Erica. Go ahead and get in your Bible, if you would, to Genesis chapter 1. Genesis chapter 1. Tonight we're going to begin a new Sunday night series, a relatively short one, probably just nine or ten weeks. And about three or four months ago, I started praying about what to do next when we finished the book of uh, 1 Timothy and had a conversation back then with uh, Brother Joe about this series. And uh, I believe this is what the Lord would have us do next. Uh, Though this subject is one of the most important things to understand about life, uh, many people do not understand it. Uh, They don't understand it because they don't want to understand it. But mark it down, the less... A person understands and practices this subject, the bigger mess they will make out of their life and their home. I want to spend a few weeks talking about using rightful authority and following rightful authority. Now it's not a fancy subject, it's not something that everybody, when you just heard that, set up and said, Wow, I'd like to hear more about that. But it is a subject that is extremely important to living well and to living by faith. Uh, nearly all of the major themes of the Bible are countercultural. That doesn't mean everything in the culture is bad, of course. But because Satan is the god, small g of this world, uh, a lot of the things that God teaches are just contrary to our culture. And there are few issues where our culture and human nature has more warped than the subject of authority. When I say the word authority, what's the first thing that comes to your mind? Question it? Rebel against it? Avoid it? Challenge it? Monitor it? Abuse of it? Hate it? Bad experiences with it? Very few people had their first thought Respect it. Follow it. Support it. Obey it. See, whether we realize it or not, many of our personal problems, they're actually problems with authority. Have you thought about this? All the problems in our society that are really authority problems. You know, the great majority of problems people have with police are an authority issue. I mean, most people don't really fail to obey the law because they don't know the law. They just refuse to submit to the authority of our laws that are enforced by the policemen. By the way, thank God for faithful law-enforcing officers. The great majority of them, despite what some people think, they're good. Hear the unwise parent telling their child, police are out to get you and hurt you, don't listen to them. Have you ever thought about this? A great majority of our moral problems in our society have something to do with an authority issue. Hear the college professor saying, you decide what's right and wrong as long as two people agree, it's okay. Hear the business owner saying to their employee, well, I don't care if it's unethical, it's my company. Hear the teenager telling their parent, well, the other teens are doing it. Whether we realize it or not, many of the biggest problems in people's lives have something to do with an authority issue. Hear the church member during a sermon, no one's going to tell me how to run my life. Hear the child saying to their teacher, you're not my mom, I don't have to listen to you. As if they actually listened to their mom anyway. Hear the adult responding to a friend trying to help them when they're making bad choices. Hey, you're not going to tell me what to do, I'm... An adult. Whether we realize it or not, many of the biggest problems in people's homes are authority problems. Hear the teenager saying to their parents, You're not going to tell me how to run my life. Hear the wife saying to her godly husband, You're not my boss. See, authority is the power to command, to enforce laws, to exact obedience, to judge a situation or person as being right or wrong. You know, believing our cultural view about authority did more than probably any one thing to destroy my life as an unsaved teenager and as an unsaved young adult. My attitude in general at that time was all authority was out to ruin my fun and keep me from something That was good for me. By the way, that's the general attitude of authority. And 34 years ago when I got saved, one of the biggest things that I needed to work on and change in my mind and heart was how I viewed authority. And if I wouldn't have gotten saved, it would no doubt have destroyed my life. Now, authority is the power to command, enforce laws, exact obedience... Judge a situation as being right or wrong. Did you know the Bible has a lot to say about rightful authority? Did you know our Creator has left a lot of information on that subject? And I realize that as we go through this, a lot of these thoughts might not be easy to hear. And to be quite frank with you, some of them are not easy for me to talk about. But they are very important for us to understand. Amen. And tonight is really more of a, what I would call a foundational thought for uh, the next uh, eight or nine weeks following this, and um, go ahead and stand if you would, and honor God's word. Title of my thought for tonight is the authority of God. The authority of God. Genesis chapter one, verse twenty-six. And God said, "Let us make man after in our." I'm sorry. Let us make man in our image, after our likeness. It's interesting, the three plural pronouns, a little hint of the Trinity. And let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over the cattle, over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. God blessed them and God said unto them, Be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth, subdue it have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. And God said, Behold, I have given you every herb-bearing seed which is upon the face of all the earth and every tree in which is the fruit of a tree yielding seed. To you it shall be for meat. And to every beast of the earth, and to every fowl of the air, and to everything that creepeth upon the earth, wherein there is life, I have given every green herb for meat, and it was so. And God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. In the evening and the morning were the sixth day. Thank you might be seated. The Bible very clearly and emphatically declares Jehovah God to be the Creator, and that God created man in his own image. Evolution did not make man... Uh, Man did not evolve from molecules by random chance over the course of uh, a billion years or so. In fact, evolution from non-life to life and then microbes to mammoths, it's not even science. It's a belief system. All science is verifiable in a lab and by testing. And what happened in that distant past is not science. It's contrary to the scripture as well as contrary to science. And in fact, it's contrary to the teaching of Jesus in particular because he said in Matthew 19, He which made them from the beginning made them male and female. You see, God being the creator is a foundation for all rightful authority because it means this simple thing God makes the rules, not us. Uh, You and I have no right to define what God would consider right or wrong. Only God has that authority. You and I have no right to declare how anyone gets to or is denied eternal life. Only God has that authority. Man did not create the true God, though man has made plenty of gods. The true God, Jehovah God, He made and created us. And because God created us, we can read in verse 28 how God has the authority to tell man to, re- to multiply, to replenish the earth and to have dominion over all of earth's creatures. Because God created us, He has the authority to decide in verse 29 what man's diet would be. He said at that particular time, I've given you the herbs and the fruit of the trees. That was man's diet. God has the authority to decide that. Because God is a Creator, He had the authority in verse uh, 30 to decide that the beasts would not eat each other they would eat herbs, they would eat grass, green things. And this, of course, is prior to the fall. Because God created us, He has authority to look over His creation in verse 31 and determine it's very good. By the way, it doesn't matter that some scientists think that there's a problem with the design of our retina when the Creator says, you know what, when I made the retina back when I made man, you know what, it's very good. In fact, in chapter 2, in verse 18, where it says, And the Lord God said, It is not good that man should be alone. I will make him and help me for him. God has the right because He's the authority. He can decide it's not good for man to be alone. God decides what's good and not good. God being our Creator and God making the rules and defining what is good and not good, that is the foundation of all authority. Now most people on a Sunday night in a Baptist church, we have no issue with this foundational idea that God makes the rules. In fact, it's like almost just common sense and natural to our thinking, even though we don't like authority. In fact, people that don't like this idea that God is the Creator and He makes the rules, what they generally do is they decide on their own that, well, I'm an atheist or I'm an agnostic. There is no God or I have no knowledge of that God. And so they walk away and they think that that excuses them from God's authority in their life when the Bible clearly says, the fool has said in his heart there is no God. It is so plainly obvious from the complexity in biology, the beauty in nature and everything that is around it that this world did not happen by accident. Here's the problem. I've never seen God and neither of you. I've never audibly heard God's voice and neither have you either. In fact, I personally believe that no one on earth since the death of the last apostle has personally seen or audibly heard Jesus with their natural ears. In fact, today, the Bible very clearly says that Jesus is at the right hand of His Father, quote, dwelling in the light which no man can approach unto whom no man hath seen nor can see. According to 1 Timothy 6, And so since none of us have seen God with our eyes, nor heard God with our ears, it brings up a good question. If God is the authority, and I can't see Him with my eyes, and I can't hear Him with my ears, how do I find God's will today so I can submit to His authority as Creator? Now because God cannot be visibly seen nor audibly heard, God has delegated some of His authority to other things and some people that we can see and hear. There are things and people in each of our lives to whom God has given some of His authority. Now, 35 years ago, when I graduated from the University of Toledo, I I moved to Cincinnati to work for a company called Owens, Illinois. Uh, They made plastic bottles. It's a Fortune 100 company. It's why I originally came down here. Uh, The plant manager at that time was a man, his name was Dick Roberdew. And uh, that particular plant, uh, amongst all the plastic-producing plants in the company, was a very productive plant. He was highly respected and well-known, and he knew what was going on in our facility. He knew the people. He knew what was going on. And he had a reputation for being tough when, when he needed to be. I have personally seen him demote somebody while they were on vacation, move their office, put their replacement boss in their office so that when they came back from vacation, their new boss was in their old office. Seen it done. People were afraid of him. Um, if you were back working in the, somewhere in, in the factory... And the secretary from up front came back and said, Robert, do wants you. Let me tell you what you didn't do. You didn't say, you're not my boss. You didn't say, who do you think you are? Uh, you're the secretary. I'm the engineer here. What you did, it didn't matter who the messenger was. What mattered was the authority of the person who gave them the message. And so what you did was you immediately stopped what you were doing, you went to the front office, and you found out what Mr. Robert wanted. See, in like manner, God has delegated some of his authority to some things and some people And he expects us to follow it. And it doesn't carry the authority or weight of the messenger. It carries the authority or the weight of the one who sent the message. Now all of us struggle with authority other than our own. Including the authority of God. Submissiveness is one of those qualities that is completely opposed to our nature. In fact, we don't even like the word. As rare as it is and as hard as it is to talk about the subject of humility, it is even more difficult to talk about the subject of submissiveness. And those two things actually go hand in hand. Which brings up another good question. Since we cannot... Since God is the ultimate authority, He's a creator. And since we cannot visibly see Him with our eyes or audibly hear Him with our ears, and so since He has delegated His authority to some place, some things, and some people, the obvious question is where has God delegated His authority in my life so I can follow the authority of God? I really do want to follow the authority of God. By the way, there is unless someone made you come tonight, uh, there is in your heart some part of you that desires to follow the authority of God. It's a part of what changes in us when we get saved. All we have is an old nature. We get saved, we get a new nature. And this new nature has a desire to obey our Creator. Where has God delegated His authority in my life today? Please first go back in your Bible to 2 Timothy chapter 3. And as I said, today will be a kind of a foundational thought, foundational lesson. And by the way, foundational things are like that. They are solid things on which to build other things. Where has God delegated His authority in my life today? 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 15. And that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. The man of God may be perfect, truly furnished unto all good works. The Bible was given by inspiration. That word inspiration just means God breathed. God breathed through the pens of men to the rest of mankind. See, when we read about inspiration, that speaks about the quality of the scripture when it was given. It was God breathed. Inspiration means there were no errors in the Bible when it was given. It means it expressed exactly what God wanted expressed through the personality and experiences of the human authors, those holy men of God. Inspiration means that the Bible, when it was written, expressed exactly the will and plan of our Creator. What He wants, what He doesn't want, what He says is right, what He says is wrong. Inspiration is a wonderful thing, but it wouldn't matter much without the next thing. Go back in your Bible to Psalm chapter 12 because the next thing is preservation. Inspiration speaks about the quality of what the Bible was when it began. Preservation speaks about the quality of what we hold in our hands. The first and primary place where God has delegated His authority to you and I is the Bible itself. In fact, it is the only infallible, inerrant authority. Psalm chapter 12, by the way, if you have a different Bible, these verses will talk about the preservation of Israel instead of the preservation of his word. But if you have a King James Bible, in chapter Psalm chapter 12, verse 6, it says the words of the Lord are pure words. As silver tried in a furnace of earth, purified seven times, thou shalt keep them, O Lord. Thou shalt preserve them from this generation forever. Preserved words. And like I said, I know this is familiar territory to most of you, but foundational things are just like that. They are reliable, basic truths upon which we build other things. The words of the Bible have been preserved for us. Inspiration speaks about the quality of what it was when it started, and preservation speaks about the quality of what we hold in our hands. Now we could spend weeks talking about how the process was that God preserved His words over all these centuries and where He preserved His words and all that, and we've done that before and there are good books in our bookstore on that, but preservation simply means this, there are no errors in the Bible we hold in our hand. This Bible, this King James Bible I hold in my hand, expresses exactly in English what God wanted expressed to English-speaking people. In fact, when we rightly understand the original languages from which it was translated and rightly understand uh, the English of the early 17th century, there are no errors in what we hold. Jesus said, heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words... Shall not pass away. By the way, that means more than thoughts and ideas are preserved. Words are preserved. You see, the first and primary place God has delegated His authority to us is the Bible itself. And it is the only inerrant, infallible authority. Every viewpoint or belief system we took a look, consider should be compared to the final authority we hold in our hands. In fact, Jesus and Peter and Paul and James and John and all other New Testament authors treated the Bible that way. And so I am simply going to imitate them as I seek to find and follow the authority of God in my life. By the way, I hope you do the same thing. I have yet to meet the person that says this to me. You know what? I follow the Bible with all my heart. I obeyed it. I sincerely sought to have the kind of heart the Bible teaches, the attitude the Bible teaches, to treat people the way the Bible says to treat them. And you know now, after decades of life, my life is a mess. But there are thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of people who will tell you, I followed what made sense to me, I did what the culture taught me, and it left me empty-handed and empty-hearted. By the way, because of the importance of the Scripture and finding the delegated authority of God in my life, this is why uh, I have personally no tolerance for people messing around with this book. And by the way, you shouldn't either. Do you want to know what God says is morally right and wrong? Looking for the authority of God on that issue? Check out what he says about homosexuality and bestiality and transgenderism and gender identification. You want to know? Check it out. We have an authoritative record from our Creator of what those things are supposed to be. Right and wrong are determined by God's Word, not culture or an American vote. You want to know how God says you can live forever? You're looking for the will and authority of God? Find out who he says that Jesus of Nazareth was. Find out how he says that you can have obtain eternal life. Find out how he says you can uh, find forgiveness of sins. It's really, really clear. That's not determined by a church. You and I have no right to decide how someone lives forever. God decides that. He's the ultimate authority. Do you want to know what God is like? So you can know him and imitate him, and look him for his will and authority. Find out what he says. Read about him being holy and righteous and just. Read about him being love and compassionate and gracious and long suffering. That's not determined by someone's dreams. It's not determined by, well, I feel like God is like this. No, that's a God that you create. If you want to find out what the Creator is like, you've got to look in the book that is His authority for finding His will and what's true and what's not. Do you want to know how God says we should handle relationships in our life? You want to know how you ought to handle your enemy? No. <laughs> you want to know how you and I should handle someone who wrongs us? You want to know how we should handle our spouse, our children, our friends? Listen, there is an authoritative source from our Creator. When you and I want to know the will of God, when we want to know what He defines as right and wrong, He's given us a place to find all of that. And how God wants people treated can only be determined by looking at the authority He delegated to teach us that. Now, The authority of the Bible is absolute, it is infallible, it cannot fall or fail, it is correct in every issue in which it speaks. And what we're going to find in the coming weeks is that God, who delegated some of His authority to the book we hold in, hand, in our hand, has in that book delegated some authority in our life to some people. But the only infallible and inerrant authority is this book. And over the course of the next weeks, I'll be saying lots of times, never obey rightful authority when it tells you to do something contrary to this book. Because that is to disobey God. Sounds like you and I need to learn what it says. Sounds like we need to learn what it doesn't say. Sounds like we should figure out where it's clear and where it's not as clear. Sounds like we should learn where it's silent and when it speaks. Sounds like the Bible ought to be something more than something we pick up when we come to church because we feel social pressure to carry our Bible into church. Now God is not visibly appearing to anyone today. He's not audibly speaking to anyone today. But if anybody does think that they saw or heard God, you need to compare what you see and hear to this book. Now, when we hear this, to be honest with you, on a Sunday night, we don't have any issue with that, probably. Now, we have, uh, I think we're at 4,900 and. 20-some first-time visitors now since we started, Uh, I have people regularly come and say something to me like, well, I was coming and you said this about homosexuality, I'm not coming back. And you could name the issue. But on a Sunday night, there's probably very little problem with this idea that God created us and He's the authority. And that God delegated some of his authority to the book we hold in our hands. We don't have a problem with that. Here's the difficulty. Is that God delegates in this book some of his authority to some people. And every person to whom God has delegated some authority is fallible. And God knew that would be so. And so we get to this issue, if I have some kind of rightful authority, and we'll talk about some areas where God did delegate some to people, how do I use it? By the way, because you only have it from God, so you don't have it to use like you want to use. If you have it, you have it to use like God wants it used. And how do I follow rightful authority? Because every human rightful authority is not perfect but we'll get to that in a few weeks if you quietly stand tonight